what's clear to me, and you and feel free to tell me I'm right or wrong, is that a lot of single women have people in their ear all the time telling, oh, 100%. Them, telling them you're doing things wrong. Whether, yeah. whether it's your mom or your aunt or your grandma, or your hairdresser or your married friends, they're all kind of like picking at you, telling you, well, this is how I did it. And you're clearly, you clearly suck at dating because you, because you're single. And oh, yeah. right. And, yeah. and, and my message is it's not that you suck. It's that the, the market is, is totally skewed against you. Hey there, gals. Hey there, gals. And welcome back to another episode of The Gals Guide. We are a dating and lifestyle podcast. I'm Emily, and I frequently like to hit on men. And I'm Hannah, and I frequently watch from the sidelines with alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to our podcast. So speaking of our intro and our guests that we have today, uh, it's going to be a very short intro that we're going to give you guys today because this is a hefty little episode, but... Our guest today, John Berger, is an amazing writer. He, I actually heard of him through um, one of my favorite podcasts, Girls Gotta Eat. Uh, they had him on earlier this year, and then luckily, like his team, like reached out to us and they wanted to have him on our show. So we are absolutely thrilled. But I just want to like preface before we get into this episode that you gals, like, if you take any advice from any of our episodes like fuck all, all other 79 episodes all of the we've done. other ones <laughs> screw all 79 other episodes like just they can go out the window throw it's in fine. The trash listen to today's episode and take home this advice especially our single gals even like our taken gals i feel like they had there's some like solid a plus advice in here for you gals uh, oh yeah definitely because you took a, a lot of advantage about everything that we talked about i took mm-hmm. advantage I, I thoroughly took advantage of a lot of things that we talked about um and it was just like a very splendid week you're gonna have to tune in to a future episode to hear like more about this because i mean yes I don't want to spoil anything because we do talk about a certain situation with a certain character um, on the show with him. Okay, let's face it. Like, I've talked about John Mayer before on this show, and it's Mm -hmm. not actually like John Mayer, John Mayer, for those of you who are new. I wish it was actually John Mayer, but this is a character John Mayer. Um, This is this dude's code name. Uh, Basically, uh, we talked about John Mayer in this episode, and... Yeah, like that's all I'm gonna say. I guess it's you'll just have to keep you just have to tune in next week. Just just listen to this episode and then we'll go from there next week's episode. But uh, yeah, I mean, this was such like a fun freaking interview that we did. Truly. I mean, like, I was so excited because I listened to his interview with Girls Gotta Eat, and I was just like, I am so excited. Like this man is so funny. His writing is so great, and I was like, I'm so pumped. Like, like I thoroughly it was really like, great. read this book and like highlighted it. And like, yeah, Emily like had a highlighter out, <laughs> whereas I like picked, I picked my chapters to read, but it I was, was like, so I'm, good. I'm I still have to notes. finish it. Yeah. I still have to finish some of them, but, but really, I haven't really done good that. Book. I haven't done that with any other guests that we've had, like thoroughly, like read like their work beforehand or had the opportunity to usually. Uh, so we were really excited to be able to do that with, um, this episode, but, uh, we're with- also giving away yes. two copies of John's book. 
Yes. So stay tuned for that. We're giving too. away one of Case's books last week. We're giving away uh, John's book this week. So hopefully you guys really um, are enjoying these giveaways and we might be doing some more on Instagram. So make sure you guys are following us on our Instagram at the gals guide pod um, for more updates. And so you can guys can be entered into these giveaways because that's like literally the only way we kind of do this. We also do like secret giveaways, like in our secret Facebook group, facebook.com mm-hmm. slash the gals guide. Uh, but yeah, uh, I guess other the exciting things that happened this week was um, I've been really like hitting home very hard on manifestations uh and this is true like connecting with my spirit guides like you guys know i talk about this like quite frequently on the pod where my film that i just did um back in january like i manifested a lot of stuff that happened on that set like i manifested my whole crew basically the whole thing getting funded uh and everything and i'm like okay let's try other aspects of my life (laughs) like y'all know i've been getting some crystals like i'm learning everything i'm learning tarot cards and i want to start doing like loki i would love to start doing tarot readings on tiktok but like you should (laughs) just keep practicing i just gotta memorize what all these cards mean because i'm still like having to google what them what they mean i pulled like the most random like i pulled some random cards the other day and i was like i don't know what any of these mean because usually like when you do it so often and you ask the same question over and over again. Yeah. You'll, you'll get the same cards. Um, like, I know, I know for a fat what two of cups means. I like, I memorized that one. That's a soulmate that card. <laughs> it's a soulmate card. I'm memorizing that one. Oh, you pulled it? <laughs> Shut up. I did not. Um, um, Sad face. Did I? Did I? Did I? No, I did not. No, I did not. Um, But I did do a tarot reading after this, when we recorded this episode. um, And I showed you those tarot cards. And I was like, it's all pointing to like green lights, like good signs. But the other day, like I was really unsure of a decision uh, that I was trying to make. And like I reached out to like my spirit guides. And was just like, when I say that, like I'm just saying like, yo, universe. Um. If I should make decision A, I want to see a butterfly in the next 24 hours. If I should make decision B, I want to see a bumblebee in the next 24 hours. And if I make decision C, I want to see, like, a ladybug in the next 24 hours. Just something, like, not obscure. Like, I want to see a dinosaur. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, dinosaurs are dead except for, like, alligators well, I mean, and like, birds. You can see, like, a cartoon one. So. Oh, yeah, true, true, yeah. true, true, um, true. Like, I've asked for, like, a fox at one point, something like that. Like, just something, like, or, like, I think when we decided to, like, you know, become friends with OK Sis and do, their like, their mentoring thing, like, I asked, I was like, yo, like, if we should do this, I want a front parking spot at work. And, like, we got, I got, like, one in the very, very fucking front. And I was like, were like okay, we're doing this it. it. We're doing it. Um, yeah, and and now we have like like good friends in like, the podcast community. So. Natty and I are buddies on TikTok now. It's cool. Yes, <laughs> I'm in, I'm in their close friend circle on their podcast. <laughs> so, but I love that I'm. It gets, gives me gets, gets me comfort in a way, I guess. But I like made I like asked the universe for that the other day. Well, I was like, I, what decision should I make? Sorry, it kind of it like it almost like takes the decision out of your control you know what i mean like well, it doesn't put as much pressure on you yeah. to make said decision yeah and it's just yeah. confirming like any thoughts that i have because i usually my intuition is like very very clear and mm-hmm. i think whenever i ask this i'm like okay it's because i like want to trust my intuition but i can't decide like if it's anxiety or if it's actually my gut talking to me and so 
when I asked like for those like three insects the other day, um, I was at work. My coworker came out of the back and she's like, "Have you guys smelled a new Skylar perfume? It's called Bee, and it had a bumblebee on it." And I was like, and "You were like, there it is." Okay, going with option B then. Um, and it was just like, like it just confirmed everything for me. And so didn't like I think. If you're ever interested in this kind of stuff, I always tell people, I'm like, just Google, like, ancestral, like, manifestation and, like, talking to, like, your spirit guides. And, like, I think a lot of it is also with numerology. Like, your numer- your numbers that you look out for all the time are 666. You see yeah. it so I often. I see it so much. <laughs> it's scary sometimes. And I see ones all the time. So I see 1111 or 111. And whenever you see those numbers, that means, like, your spirit guides are trying to talk to you. Um, and whatever you're thinking at the time is like something that you should be like, you know, put forth in the actual thought and action. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, after this episode, like I just really like kind of like nailed in on it and was just like, you know, talking to him like, okay, universe, what do I do? Like, tell me what to do. Like, should I listen to this 40 year old man <laughs> giving me advice or should I like not do it? And, uh, this was something that we recorded this back like in March. I also want to note that too. Uh, and this has been like something that's been in the making for like a month now. Um, so yeah, truly, truly a month. Cause it was like a month ago when we recorded. Honestly, Ky- I told Kyla all this stuff, and she was who was my coworker. She's also my unofficial therapist. Uh, I told her all this stuff. She's like, "You really just did that on purpose, so you had something to look forward to and count down to." I'm like, "You damn right, I did. You damn right, I did." <laughs> a bitch loves a countdown. <laughs> you are correct. We love all of the things. That's so funny. But yeah, I mean, how has your week been with everything? I mean, you've kind of just been like, I haven't seen you hardly at all. I haven't uh, seen you. I haven't spoken to you much. Um, <laughs> it's been really, really busy. It's just been a busy week in general. So no more dead I'm just guys chilling. No more men in the grass. That's good. That's good. That are alive, but That's look good. dead. Um, <laughs> so I love that you just had to clarify that. Like, again. yeah, yeah. Oh, I sent. I, I I've come up with a new song idea. I've run it by Emily. She thinks it's great. I ran it by my producer, and he's like, "Wait, this is great." So hopefully that will be in the works um, sometime in the next couple months. But We're literally not giving you guys like any fucking I'm not, information uh, yeah, in this episode. Uh-uh. Like, goddamn, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's definitely a, definitely a tease episode. But I'm supposed to be releasing another single in May. So um, fingers crossed that all falls into place. But I'm really excited. And I yeah, just booked, other than that, just work. Yeah, I just booked a trip to LA uh, in August. <laughs> Uh, absolutely fucking terrifying. Don't be. It's gonna be so fun. Uh, but I you're was gonna ta- find your dream apartment. You're gonna do all the things. I was talking to Allie and Kirsty uh, the other day because I still keep in contact with them from the podcast, and um, just like getting advice from them. And, you know, Allie was just like, "If you need help, like finding an apartment, like let me know. I'm happy to help." Um, and so it's nice to know that like through this podcast, like we've made like some official friends with people. Yeah. It's really yeah. securing to know. <laughs> yeah. And then we can, oh my God, we can all like meet up when I come to visit. I literally <laughs> want to get friendship lamps, me and you. I feel like we need them. But when yes. we're, we're bi-coastal, like, and just tap on it, like all the different colors mean different things and just be like, hey, what's up? I don't know. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 hey. <laughs> You know, because we can't just text each other or anything. You know? <laughs> you know, it's fine. I've already been like deep diving into new work things because I'm like, once Emily leaves, I'm gonna be you so bored. You texted me the other day, and you were like, 
I need to make friends because I'm going to be so lonely after you move. And I was like, oh my God, Hannah. <laughs> yeah, I like, I hang out with my boyfriend, my mom, my sister, my best friend from college, whom is like a teacher and is married. So like she has a like a life, you know? Well, I and told then, the other Hannah. I'm like, okay. I told the other (laughs) Hannah that we know. I was like, please become friends with my Hannah. Like, so So, like she's not alone. Like, I'm just like, you know, you can like adopt my friends. Like, it's fine. Like, I won't care. They, if they like me, they will all like you. It's fine. Yeah, I know. I'm just like, I need to like go visit my friends from college or something. I have I have a list of people that I think you'll get along with, and I'll just pass them off a to frequent, you. Uh, like a frequent contact list. Like, here, this person likes to go do A. This person likes to go do B. <laughs> Before I move, like, I'm just going to have a whole, like, going away party. And, and that going away party, and it's going to be like... the a, contact list. It's going to be an interview for you as well to meet my friends. And, like, you can You're interview. Like, oh, okay. So you like to go shopping? Yeah, me too. Okay, we're going to be shopping buddies. <laughs> You like to drink? Same. Same. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to a winery. So there you go. That, there you go. Yeah. It's a going away party slash Hannah's interview for a new friendship party. <laughs> there we go. But we there all we know go. I'm irreplaceable. Absolutely. Contractually, I'm gonna come, we're still I'm gonna come together. To, I'm going to come to L.A. when I, you know, win the lottery. I'll come every weekend. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Emily will be like, listen, hun, I have a life. Like, calm down. I have a date with Harry Styles. Okay, thank you so much. Um, I have a date with the actual John Mayer. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Bye. I'm sorry. You can stay in North Carolina. (laughs) You can stay in my guest house, um, I guess. You know. (laughs) So fun. So fun. Uh, But what's your captivation this week? So I actually... I've been looking for new jewelry, and you had mentioned, like, obviously, Majuri is, like, prime jewelry location yes, online. Yes, I'm also but sponsored by them. So, you yes, know, I'm a Majuri partner. I'm a fine partner. You are. You are. And I love Majuri and I definitely want to order some things. But you also mentioned Mod and Joe. Yes. Um, and their stuff is so cute. I got um, their Vaughn hoops. I think that's what they're called. Mm-hmm. Um, they are like gold plated. They weren't like incredibly expensive. And I wore them for the first time today and I love them. My biggest complaint with hoops is that they're too heavy. Um, and these were super light. Like I didn't even feel them in my ears, but they're like, like a bigger size. Um, super cute. Um, got a lot of compliments on them. We had like staff pictures today at work. So, um, so yeah, I definitely check them out. I definitely recommend their stuff. I mean, I only have one thing from them, but so far, I really like them. So, so I recently just tried the recess sparkling water hemp adaptogen drink, and like I originally, well, that is a mouthful. I don't really know what the fuck they're called. Okay, like they're just like sparkling <laughs> water, and they got like CBD in it. I think I don't know. Um, it's supposed to make you like feel like relaxed and everything and they're like very aesthetically pleasing like they're all like these like sunset colors like they are all about the aesthetic and i had saw them i think i guess them on instagram before but i also like i visited the store when i was in new york and so i had to order them but i i I ordered them because i was in a very high stress situation this past weekend uh and was like i need to feel chilled relaxed calm cool collected the whole night and uh they did not arrive until like three days later so i didn't arrive for what you needed them for exactly (laughs) so like i like recess but like um you guys uh just if i had known you were going to ship them out like three days later i would have ordered them sooner (laughs) true yeah but um 
Yeah, they're refreshing. I mean, I like the blackberry chai one. That's the only one I really, that's the only one I got that I tried. Uh, But I do like that one. They have like different flavors like pomegranate hibiscus, uh, coconut lime, peach ginger, blood orange, black cherry, all these different um, flavors. They're very similar to a lot of other sparkling waters that I've tried before, but I specifically liked this one because of the blackberry chai flavor that I have not seen anybody else do. Um, if you're a chai tea lover, you'll like that one. Um, and yeah, it sounds really good. Yeah. It's like that sounds like a really interesting like flavor. Yeah. It so. was like super chill. Uh, and I probably would get them again. I just wish that like, they sold them in more stores. It's the only downside. Like I could see Target totally selling these. Well, with, with products like that too, I almost wish they would like have a variety pack and then have Which, like what each got. flavor pack. That's what I got. Oh, do they, ha- got, do they yeah. have one for each flavor? Yeah, yeah. They have a sampler pack that you can try oh. all the flavors. Yeah. That's what I got. But then can you, but then could you go and get like a six pack of yes. one specific flavor? Oh, yes. that's nice. Yeah. That's you, nice. Cause you then six or six or a 12 pack. Yeah. yeah so, so then you could try them and then pick the one you like and then get those. Yes. I like that. Yeah. I like that. I did. And um, I'm sure they're great with alcohol as well. I haven't tried that yet, but. Oh, yeah, probably. Some, cha- some champagne in that. You had a lot of so that like, this past I don't weekend. Really, <laughs> I don't really like champagne. But you learned that this my past girl, weekend. My girl at Thirsty Buffalo, if y'all aren't following Thirsty Buffalo, what she doing? Because she does weddings um, within the like Winston, I don't know. I think North she's Carolina, like a, just the North Carolina some, area. North Carolina area. Oh my gosh, she has got the best mimosas. And I don't even like mimosas, but I got a peach one. Mm. Delectable, delightful. Delicious. Yeah. Delicious. Mm-hmm. All right. So before we get into today's episode, we're going to do a couple of housekeeping things. Um, like I said earlier, make sure you guys are following us on Instagram at the Gals Guy Pod. We are doing a giveaway over there. So the only way you can enter is if you're following us. So make sure you guys head on over there. Also follow us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Gals Guide and join our secret Facebook group, the Gal Scouts. You can also follow us on our personal Instagrams. That is at Emily Elise, that is A-L-E-E-C-E. And at Hannah Nicole Adams. And yeah, leave us a five-star review. Uh, leave us a little comment. You guys I, we, I mean, you guys have been leaving us so many reviews lately. Um, have been like liking our shit up. We love it. Um, but we also love reading your thoughts. So leave us a little, um, little blurb. Text us to a friend. Send it to a friend. Send this episode to a single gal that you know that needs that boost of encouragement in her daily life. Send this episode to her today. Like, do it right now. Don't even listen to this episode. Just send it to her right Just now. Just send it. Who cares? We Have promise. faith. Just do it. Send it. We know it's going <laughs> to be amazing. Uh, but yeah, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and jump into today's episode. We're so excited for you guys to hear this one. Um, and let's go ahead and get right to it. Alrighty, gals. So today, zooming into the home studio, we have an award-winning magazine writer. He is a contributor to a fortune, a dating expert, and the author of Datanomics, How Dating Became a Lopsided Numbers Game. And his newest book, Make Your Move, The New Science of Dating and Why Women Are in Charge. He has been a guest on ABC's Good Morning America, BBC. BBC, CNBC, CNN, MSNBC, and NPR. Everyone, please welcome John Berger. Hey, thanks for having me on. Hey. We are so excited to have you. We have been talking about your book nonstop. Uh, Really, I mean, I've heard you on other podcasts before, and I, I love a lot of things that you have to say. I think it's really insightful, and I think a lot of our listeners especially will be able to resonate like with a lot of your thoughts and um, just like your overall like approach to dating. Like it's just really, I think empowering. Like I found it super empowering for women. Um, and I would love to know like a little bit more about you specifically how 
you were like a fortune writer yeah, yeah. and you're now like a dating expert. Yeah. Um, so, so how does the guy who used to cover oil and gas for fortune end up writing dating books? Is right. The, yeah. It's so obvious. It's, no, uh, it's so um, sexy, you know? Yeah, I know. I, know. I mean, I, I, I spent a lot of time in, in Alaska and in Wyoming and it, it is pretty, anyway. Um, so, so, so the, the, the backstory is this. Um, the editorial staff at Fortune is more women than men. And after being there for a number of years, I couldn't help but notice that most of the men were either married like myself or involved in long-term relationships. Whereas the women, who I think I can frankly say had more going for them dating wise than we guys did dating seemed to be difficult for them in ways that it wasn't for the guys like a mm -hmm. lot of the women at work and actually women outside of work as well I was friends with seemed to have these dating stories and dating histories that really like made no sense to me as a guy who got married in my mid-20s and I, and I couldn't figure out why the heck dating should be so hard for these women because in my mind they had everything going for them mm -hmm. and I didn't understand why dating if it was hard for them why would it why would it be easy for these guys who I knew who were perfectly nice but nothing yeah they weren't an Adam driver or something like that you know, <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, um, so so th so that was the origin of the first book datanomics kind of exploring why dating had become harder for women than for men mm. um, but datanomics was really more of a it was more pop science than an advice book. I was just basically trying to explain the phenomenon. And the, the focus of the book looked at how lopsided gender ratios among college graduates were affecting post-college dating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for the past 20 plus years, we've had about approximately you know, 30% more women than men graduate from college. And this is kind of spilled over into the post-college college dating pool. Mm -hmm. um, now, obviously, this wouldn't matter if we were all more open-minded about whom we date and eventually marry. But the reality is that most of us, men and women, are not so open-minded and that college grads typically only want to date and marry other college grads. So what we've ended up with is this kind of you know, two-sided dating pool, like a blue-collar dating pool that has too many men and a white-collar dating pool that has too many women. Yeah. And and that and that was the focus of datanomics. And you know, my my editor kept pushing me for more advice and more solutions. And there was a little bit of that in the first book, but I um I, I have to admit, I had kind of a snooty attitude about the whole self-help genre. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> like I, 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 like I mean, I was, a, <laughs> yes. Like, and I, I mean, I was yeah. a fortune magazine writer who was writing about Exxon Mobil and Royal Dutch Shell, or maybe Apple and things like that. Like being the love doctor was not <laughs> what I, it wasn't really in your I, like future. I, I, <laughs> well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't think of myself that way. So I was very, I was very resistant to the whole idea of turning it into an advice book. And I kind of thought, well, the whole knowledge is power thing would be enough. Mm. Um, 
But what I discovered, and I'm guessing what you guys could have predicted, is when I got out on book tour with Datanomics, there were women who would say to me, okay, yes, I do feel better. Now I have something I can explain to my mom about, or my whatever, <laughs> about, about, about why, uh, why I'm still single. Like we have receipts, we have like a fact here checklist, exactly. like here you yeah, go. Yes, X, Y, and yes. Z, please so, yeah, stop yeah, asking yeah, me I, at Thanksgiving I, dinner now. There we go. I, I, I thought that would be enough, but it turned out it wasn't. Right and <laughs> women would show up at my book events saying, okay, I get it. I'm happy to know this, but now tell me what to do. <laughs> and I, 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 I didn't really have an answer to that yeah. question with the first book. Um, so that's why I wrote the new one. <laughs> so. I mean, we, we, we researched you like a ton. I hope in a good way. Yes. yes. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But um, like we, we want to talk about like your new book, like make your move. Um, but like you mentioned, like with datanomics, that one, I think I thought it was really interesting because it, like you said, it's a very data driven book. And like you mentioned, like the unequal ratios in postgrad, but also like, you mentioned it like in, you gave like college examples in it as well too, which I didn't really like put it into perspective until I came across that in your book, because I went to my undergrad school that I went to was literally on a beach. Like it was, Where, where'd you go? Can I, ask? I went to uh, UNC Wilmington. So it was like 70% women and the rest like were men and everybody there is beautiful, tanned, skinny, 10 minutes away from the beach. Like, you know, it's a party school for sure. <laughs> but I, you know, like I was perpetually single my entire undergrad and was just like, you know, why? Like there's, there's, there's a very attractive men here, but I mean, there's a plethora, a cornucopia of very. Well, that's a good word. I'm also a writer too. So there you go. <laughs> cornucopia is better than plethora. Yes. <laughs> but there were so many like just gorgeous women. And I was yeah. like, fair enough. Like you want to kind of like, I see the appeal of wanting to like play like the field a little bit more. And it's just so interesting to think about like that women don't always get that advantage. Like when they're, especially that's so young, like in college, because like you said, like college is so, um, so much like a, like its own dating pool in a way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that was kind of how in, in, in datanomics, how I kind of proved the point because, um, you know, the, I mean, my argument in the book was that the rise of the hookup culture was largely tied to these lopsided sex ratios. Mm -hmm. And the counterpoint would be, well, what about porn or what about Facebook or what about this or what about that? And um, I mean, to me, if you look at the college campuses, it really makes the point. And, and one of the things I did in datanomics is I, um, I, I compiled data from 35 or 40 or so major public and private colleges and universities. Um, I, and I paired their sex ratios, you know, the ratio of men to women, to the way that college kids on campus described the dating scene. And, and the dating scene descriptions came courtesy of a, a website uh, called niche.com, which is basically aimed at high school kids who are applying to schools and if you want to know what the math department is like or what mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. you know the soccer team is like or in this case what the 
dating life is like. Yeah. You can, you can, <laughs> What's your yeah, potential you can, pool is looking like? Right, yeah. right. So yeah, it's basically it's not just about dating. That's that's my point. But yeah. but but they did have a um a section about about the dating culture at these schools, and you can really see. And I'll give you some examples if you're interested. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, about, about how you can really see how the the shift in the in the sex ratios affects affects the dating culture. So let's just start with the the schools that are more men than women, mm-hmm. and they tend to be kind of tech or engineering schools. So the, the first one on my list is RPI, which is Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute in upstate New York. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great for engineering, great for hockey, and that's probably about it. But, uh, but so, 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 shout out to so, RPI. Yeah, our, our, our RPI has always has a good hockey team. But 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 um, uh, uh, RPI is, or at least you you know until re- I mean, recently was twenty eight percent women. 72% men. So it's pretty lopsided in mm-hmm. favor of the men. Wow. Um, yeah. So, so here, here's how niche.com described the dating scene at RPI. Quote, more people are involved in relationships. Girls seem to become stuck up because they're in such a minority that they can afford to be very choosy. Georgia Tech in Atlanta, um, 66% men, 33% women, which means two guys for every one woman, right? I, I, he, I like he, those odds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and and and, and I and I, I love Atlanta too. So there you go. If you're, if you're applying, I <laughs> uh, um, go to Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, go to Atlanta. Um, so so here's the quote about dating at Georgia Tech. Uh, Tech is a fairly monogamous campus. For the most part, people like to be in relationships. Uh, Caltech in Pasadena, California. Fifty nine percent men, forty one percent women, and if you if depending upon your level of interest, I have an extra Caltech an- anecdote at the end if you're interested. But, um, but, but here's the comment about Caltech or, or dating at Caltech. Students here tend not to date but have relationships. Breakups are rare and many couples get married after Caltech. So, so I should have gone there to get my arm, right, arm, MRS right. degree. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, well, yeah, you, you can say that. I'm not going to use that. <laughs> I, the, I, yeah, um, but but just just to be clear, it's not just the the tech schools that are like that. Yeah. Um, you go to like the fifty fifty schools, like uh, Tufts University in suburban Boston. Mm-hmm. Tufts is fifty fifty. Here's the comment about dating at Tufts: Halfway through sophomore year, people begin to pair off and generally stay paired off through junior and senior year. University of Miami also about fifty fifty. You know, University of Miami is a generally considered to be a party school. So you wouldn't mm-hmm. think that, right. Um, here's the comment about dating at, at, at Miami. Random hookups are common in the beginning, but after a few months or a year, relationships take over. So put that aside, you know, the, mm-hmm. that's what the, the, the mostly men schools are like or what the yeah. 50-50 schools are like. Now let's shift to the schools that are disproportionately female. Um, New York University, I'm in, I'm in the New York area. New York University is 61% female, 39% male, which means three women for every two men. Here's the comment. Here's the comment about dating at NYU. Guys take advantage of the male to female ratio and most have no plans of settling into a long-term relationship. Rollins College in Florida, 62% 
women, 38% men, again, about three women for every two men. At Rollins, commitment-free wow. hookups are common and quite accepted. Boston University in Boston, um, my son happens to be a, a junior there, although he's gay, so he gets no benefit from any of this, but, <laughs> but, 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 but I, I feel like I have to disclose that for some reason. Anyway, so, so, um, so BU is 62% women, 38% uh, men. Again, three women for every two men. Here's the comment. Freshman year is a sexual explosion. There are girls to go around and around again. <laughs> and and, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll just I'll just end it with Sarah Lawrence College, which is also in suburban New York. Wait, Sarah women La can men can go to Sarah? Yeah, Lawrence? I know, I know. That, that's the that's the initial reaction, right? Yeah. So so Sarah Lawrence used to be all women. It's now seventy five percent women, twenty five percent men. Which, if you're a math major, you know that means three women for every one man. You can tell not to like. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the comment about dating at Sarah Lawrence. <laughs> the girls complain about loneliness. The guys get more than they can handle and mindless one night stands are rampant. Mm. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. yeah no, I, and I, yeah. I actually, I, the, the two schools that I kind of did extra research, I spotlighted for datanomics were Sarah Lawrence and Caltech. And I have kind of interesting stories about both because they, they, I mean, they're both extreme examples, but I kind of think they make the point. No, absolutely. Mm, yes. Yeah. I mean, like you get in that situation and I, I can kind of like understand like in a way, like why men at those school, like specifically Sarah Lawrence, like why you would want to kind of take advantage of that because there's probably not going to be a situation ever again in your life where you're going to be surrounded by that many women and have that much like game, I guess, yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> um, but, but in a way. There was a woman I interviewed at Sarah Lawrence who told me that her freshman year, she was kind of sort of dating a guy. And when he broke up with her, he actually used the word market. Like the market for him is too good. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Now, now that, now that's crossing the line. Yeah. <laughs> the market's just too good. There was another, there was a guy I interviewed at Sarah Lawrence Um and this was interesting because the Sarah Lawrence guys didn't, I mean, to you, it's obvious, but to them, an 18 year old who shows up on campus and doesn't know any better, they think it's about them. Right. Like of the, course. The, yes. Right. Yeah. Right. Of right. course they do. They're right. like, the ego yeah. just like expands right. Right. and goes out of the. Right. So, so, so they think there's something special about them. Oh, how cute. And <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and there was this one guy, and, and actually, this story is going to sound bad, but he's, he was actually, he was a nice guy, but just kind <laughs> of, he, he was delusional because he didn't realize that the world he lived in was not the real world. Um, and, bless him. Bless yeah, his heart. <laughs> yeah, bless his little heart, right? Yeah. So, so um, he was the senior there, and we were talking about what it was like to be a single hetero guy on on campus at, and he the stories he were tell, he was telling me were like crazier and crazier and he could at one point like he could kind of see the well anyways so I, I at one point I asked him um I asked him I'm just curious of your current group of female friends how many of them have you had sex with? Because the stories he was telling me were insane. And he paused and he said, well, the current ones, I would say about 20. 
<laughs> what do I need the friend? <laughs> what? And it, so, so yeah, yeah. So he had the, so the, the reaction, your reaction now was my reaction talking to him. And, and he kind of caught himself and he was like, oh, well, I have to put this in context. And the way he took the edge off the story it was, this is almost verbatim. He said, well, I should tell you that includes some threesomes and foursomes. Oh, you know, because that just makes it, you know, that's, that's it so much, yeah. it's, it's all okay. Then now, now <laughs> it's acceptable. Now, 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 it's now okay. the numbers make sense. <laughs> but, but, he, um, I, I, I'm telling you, if you met him, you'd think he was a nice person. I, I, but, I, I but, know, um, yes. Um, Best of luck to that man. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, it's, it's funny. After the book came out, he, he, he emailed me because he had read the book. Um, and he, as it turns out, um, one of the 20, so to speak, he, um, he had moved in with. And he was living, he was like living monogamously with, and oh, for him, the whole monogamy thing was like this fun experiment, <laughs> but, but, but he was, he was kind of, yeah, he was, really, he was <laughs> he, yeah, but he, no, he was doing well. And he and the girlfriend were living together in the, in New York city and all was good. Cheers to them, yeah. man. Yeah. Cheers yeah. to the one, that one girl. Right. Yeah. But, 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 you, but you want me to give you the, the, the flip side, which is Caltech? Yes, yes. please, God. Okay. <laughs> okay. So um, I, through kind of a friend of a friend, I connected with the, um, the editor of the Caltech newspaper. Mm-hmm. And when I was out there on a reporting trip, he set up kind of a, kind of a kind of a a group of like 15 or so Caltech kids who agreed to have a focus group to talk about about dating at Caltech and it it was kind of like late February when I was out there Mm -hmm. and at one point on a lark I asked them well what is Valentine's Day like at Caltech and a guy in the group immediately chimed in and he said oh let me tell you all about it. And, and Caltech has kind of a house system, like where all the kids, like freshman year, get assigned to one like house and they're in this house. You know, uh-huh. like, they're in kind of the same dorm group. All gotcha. Okay. I, I get you now. Yeah. Okay. So, so we said, oh, well, our house, and I can't remember the name of the house, we have this big Valentine's Day tradition. And I was like, oh, well, tell me, what is your big Valentine's Day tradition? And he said, well, all the guys get together. Um, and we make handcrafted Valentines for the girls. And then on Valentine's Day morning, we wake up early and cook them pancakes. Why did I not go to Caltech? <laughs> wow. Oh, we yeah. missed out. Right. right. But, but you, you can see how yes. the behavior changes depending upon... Yeah. Like what the sex ratios are. So it's they, almost they, like they're being protective, like of like the women in a way, because they like understand that there's like a scarcity, like yes. they treasure it, them more instead of just like discarding yes. them, kind of yep. thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and actually, I spoke to a woman who works in the alumni department at at uh, with the alumni affairs department at Caltech, and the the percentage of Caltech kids who end up marrying after t- Caltech is incredibly high. And you wouldn't think that because of the lopsided sex ratio. You would think, well, mm-hmm. how many couples could there possibly be if it's like, you know, two men for every one woman? Mm-hmm. But in fact, 
or maybe it's not quite that ratio, but, but, but you, know, you, you would think there would be fewer potential couples uh, because of the, the sex ratio, but in fact, there was a very, very high marriage rate. And I think that's what, you know, what, you're, what you're getting at there. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting like for me, because I kind of had a slightly similar experience like, to the Caltech situation that I did when I went to graduate school, because um, granted the graduate school I went to was like an arts conservatory, but I was in the film school and there's, there's not many women in the film industry. And for like anything, I was the only female in my entire graduate screenwriting class. Uh, so I had like, you know, I had a, another cornucopia of men. Um, and <laughs> it was like, when I first got there, I was like, did I like glow up or something? Like, like I, I like have a transformation. Like, why am I suddenly the hottest person to all these guys? And I realized, I am the I, only. I am the. <laughs> I am the only woman. I'm the only woman, and I'm one of the more attractive women in like this. That's single right. in this whole field. And so when I realized that all the men were basically like grabbing on like leeches in some way, um, you know, I, I would be. I my narcissism and my ego did allow me to take advantage of that for a brief moment. Um, but then there was also the dance school, which is all women. So, you know, they always went over there in the end, but it, it's so interesting to see uh, how like ratios and everything uh, kind of play into it because a woman can look at this and be like, Oh, so it's not just cause it's me. Like it's not, it's not in my head. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You right. think and, that, like, and, 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 and it, what I, what's clear to me, and you and feel free to tell me I'm right or wrong, is that a lot of single women have people in their ear all the time telling, oh, 100%. Them, it, it, telling them you're doing things wrong. Whether, yeah. whether it's your mom or your aunt or your grandma, or your hairdresser or your married friends, they're all kind of like picking at you, telling you, well, this is how I did it. And you're clearly, you clearly suck at dating because you, because you're single. And, oh, yeah. Right. And, yeah. and and my message is it's not that you suck. It's that the, the market is, is totally skewed against you. Yeah. yeah. And I think we have grown up like in the South where, um, you know, dating is like that, where you were constantly, like, I am the one that's in, I'm the one that's single in this podcast. She's the one that's in a relationship, relationship. which mm -hmm. your book correlates to her relationship. So we, but we will get into that. Okay. <laughs> Um, but I mean, with me, us both growing up in the South, I mean, for me to be going on 28 years old and to still be single and my friends constantly telling me, you know, trying to hook me up with so-and-so and I'm just like, you know what? It, it's fine. Like it's, yeah. it's okay. Um, and like everyone around us is having children. Yes. Right. Right. <laughs> so right. we're like, whoa. It's like I go into right. Whole Foods right. and suddenly and, and, I'm being right. thrown and, they, and, they, and all you hear is that you're clearly doing something wrong. Yes. Yeah. And um, I, I mean, I'm. I, while I hoped that the first book, Datanomics, would provide comfort um, to that, you know, to those readers, um, and I, th I hope it did. But I, but I, I quickly realized that um, the the whole knowledge is power thing was not enough. And yeah. um, you know, I, I mean, I that. that I needed to offer some ideas and some, yeah. some hope and some solutions. And that's what make your move is all about trying to yeah. kind of, it, it, it's kind of, it picks up where the first book left off trying to figure out, okay, dating sucks. It's not your fault, but what do you do about it? Yeah. yeah. I, I think that this book also, I mean, for us at least, um, and especially with the advice that we give on this show, um, I think that 
a lot of the advice you give and make your move does comfort us as well too because it's stuff we we have been saying like in this one specifically um First off, you admit that men are morons, which is something that we all want to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but, 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 okay, you no, know, yeah, <laughs> yes, men are morons, but 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 when it comes to the but but just as context that we were, you know, they that came up in the context of flirting. Yes, and the reality yes. is that human beings are morons when it comes to recognizing when we're being flirted with. They're just oh yeah, so, like oblivious. <laughs> it, so, so yeah, so I, I mean. Guys may think it's obvious when they're flirting with you and you may think it's obvious when you're flirting with them, but nobody actually, it, no. I mean, it goes over everybody's head. Oh yeah. So like, like 70% of flirting, you know, is lost on its intended target. Oh yeah. Yes. But, um, you, one thing you talk about is like, it's better to be chosen. Uh, I'm sorry. No, it's better to choose, choose than, than be, be chosen. chosen. Yes. yes. And, yes. um, you know, if women were, you know, just more to make like the move, like the first time and everything like that, it would like allow like the door to be open for like men to kind of like walk through it a little bit. Um, Cause you do talk a little bit about like the me too. And I completely agree with you with everything you say in the book about it. Um, And I had something that I've definitely experienced where I feel like there's been guys that I have encountered recently where it's like, I know that I can tell that you like me, but I feel like you're scared to hit on me. (laughs) (laughs) And so like, I have always, I've never had a problem with, you know, being that more like aggressive person in a scenario like that, where like, I'm the first one to like hit on a guy or like ask for his number or things like that. There's definitely been many moments where even where I was that direct and I loved the Reddit posts that you included in the book. Oh, because was so <laughs> that was like literally taken out well, of my diary. Well, I was well, like, this you, happened you, to well, me. Well, but you, you know, like this is a funny little anecdote. So I, I recently listened to the audible version of my book and I, I, I had chosen, I, I chose the voice actor, but okay. I, but, but I didn't really listen to what he, what I didn't listen to the end product until recently. Well, he reads those Reddick anecdotes so much better than I ever <laughs> imagined them. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so funny. <laughs> yeah, no, so, so the, yeah. Uh, so if you're, if you're thinking about, about um, listening to Make Your Move on Audible, the, uh, the voice actor does an amazing job with those Reddick awesome. anecdotes. Awesome. That's so awesome. <laughs> but I mean, I... I think that it's a a great idea. I know I know there's a ton of women who probably are like they're terrified to probably make the first move because obviously with coming with that comes rejection possibly and it's something that I've heard like a lot of women say that like men are more hardwired to accept rejection whereas like women aren't but I think it's like the other way around like I just think like giving like a man like extending a hand um to a guy in a way where it's like it's okay like if you like hit on me it's okay if you approach me like in a bar and everything like that I Mm -hmm. mean that's how I met my ex uh we met like at a bar in a way and he was nervous to like I think hit on me the first time he came back 30 minutes later and found me at the bar and asked me out and I was like oh yeah like I wasn't planning on asking for your number but you kind of like ran away from me he's like if you asked for my number I would have thought you were playing a joke on me (laughs) no no, I mean the um I, I I do believe like in this kind of post me to world we're in the, the guys are guys are unsure not all guys but like there's this i feel like 
it'll be clearer in five years what's okay and what's not okay mm -hmm. than it is yeah. right now. Yeah. And we're, we're in this kind of in-between stage in which guys don't know what's okay. And as a result, a woman who's willing to make the first move just has such a big advantage over another woman who kind of waits and waits and waits to be approached or courted. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and and and, yeah. that, and that's you know, that, and I'm not saying that that look if you if the whole idea I'm not telling people that they have to live their life a certain way and if mm -hmm. you if the idea of making a first move with a guy is going to make you miserable like don't do it I'm not you know I'm not um, uh, uh, this isn't like a one size fits all approach but, yeah. but I, I just think it's advantageous in in this current environment yeah yeah. Well, I think like a lot of um, you and you kind of talk about this in the book with the f a fly study, the fruit, a, a fruit, fruit fly. Oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, let, let me kind of back into that a little bit. So, <laughs> I was uh, tackling. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm, no, I'm no, with no, you. I, I, I'm with I, you. I, I, yeah, no, I, I, I feel like if I went right into the fruit flies, it yeah. would make any sense here. <laughs> I'd be like, listen. what? What? How do we get to flies? Right. Um, so, I. As I'm sure you guys know, and probably a lot of your listeners know, that the, the majority of the like the top selling dating books that have been written over the past 20, 30 years from the rules to um, ignore the guy, get the guy. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the, they're, they're all built around kind of a complicated version of playing hard to get, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right, and and the, the the notion is that look, men are hard, are hardwired to chase, and women are kind of hardwired to be passive filters of male advances, right? Mm -hmm. And that that's the way the world is, and that's the way it's always been. That sounds and so that's the way it will always be, right? Um, but before we get into the science part of it, I mean, but, but just just think about how this plays out in the post-Me Too world. I mean, the, the, the message that these books want young women to send to young men basically boils down to not interested means keep trying, right? Exactly, yes. exactly, yeah. Now, how many young women or, or old women do you know who like the idea of telling men that not interested means keep trying? No, I mean, no. I'm very, right. So men, and men, like, I'm not going to claim that men have learned all the lessons of Me Too as quickly and as well as we should. But I think a lot of us, most of the single, young single men, now realize that if a woman seems disinterested, like if like your ex-boyfriend at the bar, if, if, if he comes up to you and you, you don't seem to want to talk to him, um, the correct response is not to assume that you're playing hard to get, right? Yeah. The correct response is to leave you alone. Yeah. Like, right. like I probably would assume that like anybody that I want to go up and talk to, like if I'm like, I can just read your vibe. If, I, if I'm reading the vibe that you just don't want to talk to me, I'm not going to try and talk to you. Right. Right. So, so circling back to our, our, our friendly fruit flies, I mean, so, so the, the, there, the, the, there's this question of like, well, how do we ever get to this notion that men are hardwired to chase and women are hardwired to play catch me if you can, which you know, it's, it's not exactly, yeah, yeah. But, you, but you get the idea. Yeah. Um, and it turns out that there's kind of this um, 
Yeah, you know, I, I read this interview with the with the co-authors co of the rules, mm -hmm. um, in which they were talking about the idea of women making the first move, and one of them, I think, it was Ellen Fine, said something. It's the close paraphrase that that, that you know men can chase, women can chase jobs and can chase apartments, but they can't chase men. It's biology. Well, like, w w what is the biology of this? Yeah. And, and it's, it turns out there, there is a, like, there is this segment of, of evolutionary biology, kind of a prominent, you know, um, segment in evolutionary biology that has argued this exact point, you know, for a number of years and probably the most influential evolutionary biologist um, who's been pushing this idea is a guy named Robert Trivers. And, and to be fair to the, to the play hard to get crowd, I mean, Robert Trivers is not some nobody. I mean, he's probably, you know, he's widely considered to be the most influential evolutionary biologist of his generation. Mm -hmm. But, um, he's he's problematic and, and this is putting it this is putting it mildly and just, just to give you a, a sense of the the kind of human being we're talking about mm -hmm. um it, it turns out he was accepting research grants from jeffrey epstein the oh, sex offender financier lovely that's great Solid. and cool. and when reuters when reuters confronted him confronted trivers about this here was what trivers told reuters and this is a direct quote and i'll just i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna leave a silence at the end so you can uh, <laughs> <laughs> here's what, what, what trivers had to say about accepting research funding from jeffrey epstein quote by the time they are 14 or 15, they're like grown women were 60 years ago. So I don't see these acts as so heinous. Yeah, my skin, mm -hmm. my, I'm cringing. <laughs> my skin is crawling. So this is the kind of science that the Play Hard to Get crowd has been latching onto for, you know, 20, 30 years. And... Um, Cool. While my public, while my exactly, <laughs> so, so while my publisher is probably going to freak out about me touting another book, there is another book which I think everybody should read. <laughs> um, uh, um, and it is a, there's a book by uh, by Angela Saney, who's a science writer in London, and she and her book is inferior, and it's basically all about how science has gotten women wrong. Um, and in the book, she tells the story. I'm, I'm finally getting to the fruit flies. Um, <laughs> um, about um, about how we how evolutionary biology got to this notion that males are hardwired to chase and women are hardwired to be passive filters of um, of male advances and. It, Saini, Angela Saini interviewed Trivers and he told her the story about how he was sitting in his office um, kind of contemplating the mating behaviors of, of pigeons and he wasn't doing a whole lot of effort to do this he was actually looking at pigeons outside his office window mm. this was mm -hmm. not um, really thorough work yeah yeah, yeah this felt. wasn't a whole lot of field work he was doing <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and a colleague came by and said oh you should read this this um 
this article that a, 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 a scientist named Angus Bateman had written many, many years before. And the Angus Bateman um, study involved um, the sex, the, the, involved the mating behavior of fruit flies. And what Bateman found is that um, when fruit flies mate, the males almost always chase the females. And the females are kind of content to kind of share an alpha male mate with other females. And Trevor's kind of took the Bateman conclusion and kind of spun it in, you know, and obviously it's silly to the, the idea that you're going so to, you're, you're the, the, the idea that you're going to take the mating behavior of fruit yeah. flies. We're basing apply, human apply, behavior on flies. Oh. I, 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 mean, I, mean, I give, I give up. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I mean, it sounds stupid on its face, but let, let, let's just like play it out a little bit because <laughs> that's what Angela Saini does in her book and, and it has a, it has a phenomenal ending. So, oh so, my. so, so, so Trevor's had become kind of a star in this field by kind of building off of the original fruit fly study. And there was a, um, a professor at, at, um, at UCLA, Sarah Gowati, who, um, or, I'm sorry, Patricia, Patricia Gowati, who had been studying the mating behavior of Eastern bluebirds. And everything that she was finding conflicted with the, these conclusions that Bateman had put out there that had become kind of the standard thought about, about, you know, about mating when it, came, when it comes to, you know, many species, not just mm-hmm. fruit flies, not just human beings. Um, and what she found with her bluebird studies was, was that female bluebirds were, you know, who were, the bluebirds were originally thought to be seasonally monogamous. But what she found was that the females were actually flying away at night to mate with males that were not their primary partners. Oh. Mm. <laughs> exactly. Scandalous. Yeah, yeah, it's a scandal in the bluebird community. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but the problem is, and she, you know, she did all the research. She's a great scientist. Um, but when she presented her research, um, the Trivers acolytes, almost all of the men, kind of the, the establishment of the evolutionary biology community, basically dismissed her research as amateurish. And of one course. of them actually told her, and this is verbatim, that the bluebirds in her study must have been raped. Oh, what the? Uh, uh, are you Oh, my God. <laughs> So, yeah. so yeah, so, you know, so right, as honestly. you can imagine, Patricia Gowati was pretty frustrated by this kind of a reaction. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so she, she, with a few of her colleagues, decided, you know what, I'm going to redo that original fruit fly experiment. <laughs> and they did it exactly the same way Trivers had described it in the same way that Bateman had done it, you know, 50 years ago. They set up cameras, the whole thing. And lo and behold, the female fruit flies move towards the males just as often as the males move to the females. Mm, mm-hmm. And this notion that um, that that the there were all these males who were not producing offspring that wasn't true either. Um, and that the that basically the science of the original study was complete garbage. Um, and, and she actually speculated that she doubted the original editor had even read the original study because if you, if you had kind of dug into the numbers, it wouldn't have made any sense mm-hmm. because the, the original study, you know, assumed 
the males to be parents more than females, but it kind of takes two to make a baby. And I could, yeah. Like, yeah. The, the, the math didn't work. Um, yeah. So w- what this kind of next generation of evolutionary biologists has shown is that this notion that, that men have to be pursuers and females have to be passive filters of male advances. It's not, um, it's just not real. Yeah. Yeah. I just love that. Um, there's a, there was a group of men that thought my dating life was going to correlate with the fruit flies you have in your kitchen right now. Um, yeah, like there's literally fruit flies in our kitchen right now. Like I love that there was a, there's a possible correlation between us. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess going off of that, like one thing you really kind of uh, validated for me, at least um, in my dating life within the book uh, is you encourage women to date like younger men. And I'm very proud to say that I have been doing that part of my dating life correctly then because (laughs) I am 27 and my, the last three guys I've dated have all been four or five years younger than me. Um, So I'm already off to a great start with that uh, because I mean, I just, for me, like when I ever, I dated significantly older men or men in around my age that were in doing the same thing that I was doing, whether they were working in the film industry or they were an, um, a creative artist in a way they, I always felt like they would either talk down to me and make them like, make me think like, Oh, like, even though you have a master's degree, like you don't know anything. And I'm like, <laughs> sir, like you, like, just because yeah. you went, to, you graduated high school a couple of years before I did does not mean anything. Um, but whenever I dated younger guys and also to the older guys that I dated the, some of them, like I could tell that they were already like, like settled and stuck in their ways and had no more like ambition or motivation left to um, kind of drive their career. Whereas the younger guys, you know, even though they weren't like all intellectually there sometimes um, <laughs> they were still like <laughs> ambitious. They were fully formed. Is yeah, yes. Their prefrontal yeah. cortex is not. <laughs> it was still not there. there. They were still like, they were still like 23 at the 22. Um, but you were helping them get where they needed to be. I, I hope so for God's sake. <laughs> but I, they were still all ambitious and still had a lot of confidence and drive to them. And at the, on top of that, they, I never felt like, they were threatened by like right. my success and the fact that like the I mean the last guy I dated was in while I was in grad school he was in undergrad and you know I casted him in a film and everything like that like I was really like kind of I guess like a level ahead of him but he never thought it of it as like competition in competition right. like he looked up to it he admired that about me and it was really refreshing whereas I feel like if I was dating an older guy like I would not have had that experience right so so the way I kind of got into this topic as you may recall is actually through my parents own marriage yes um and my, my dad is 10 years older than my mother and they got married when she was 22 and he was 32 and you know that was in the 1950s but even even then like a a 30 you know like a 32 year old is a lot different than a 22 year old. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so the, yeah. like the, 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 the life experience gap between 32 and 22 is large. Um, and I, I, I've, I've always been interested in the age gap between my parents when it, um, but you know, now that I'm kind of a grown person and an adult, it actually makes more sense to me because my mother 
um, she has a very strong personality. Let's put it that way. Um, you know, she, um, I, I'm trying to, you know, I, yeah. fortunately she doesn't do the internet, so there's no risk of her hearing this. <laughs> um, um, but, but, they, but they're alive and then my parents are 98 and, and 88. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but they, they don't do the internet, which is good. But, but my, my, my mother has a, is a kind of a force of nature. And um, my dad is just a very, very nice man. Um, who, who's kind of doesn't like, my dad doesn't like drama. Um, he doesn't like arguing. My mother has more stamina for arguing than any person on the planet. <laughs> uh, but, 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 but I actually think this age gap kind of acted as a ballast between them because yeah. I, I, I really don't think she would have trusted a man her own age. Mm-hmm. And, and I really feel like that age gap um, my dad's a World War II vet who at the time, you know, and also when the time they met, he already had, had launched his own company. I mean, there was a certain kind of credibility that he had, even if he, even if personality wise, they were different, that kind of allowed them to mesh. And I think the, the, the age gap in their relationship isn't like a coincidence. I think it's actually fundamental to why they, why they why their marriage lasted or yeah. has lasted 60 years and, and and kind of what you were talking about before i i i know all these women who've had this problem of dating guys who view them who are who feel competitive and kind of are feel um threatened by the success of their of their girlfriends mm-hmm. and i definitely believe that younger guys are less competitive because why would a younger guy think if he's 27 and she's, you know, 35, like they're in a different, a little bit different place in their lives career wise. And it's kind of easier. I mean, and guys definitely, and I'm, I'm this way too. I'm not, you know, like I'm like the guys definitely have a competitive streak and, um, I kind of feel like the same way the age gap with my parents kind of made them more compatible. I feel like nowadays, maybe like a five-year age gap can actually make today's couples more compatible as well. Because yeah. it kind of, it takes the edge off, off this thing of young people competing with each other. Because when it comes to romance, you don't want to be competing with the person you love with. You're exactly, in love exactly. with. Yeah. And it was always just like, I don't know, it was always refreshing because I kind of always say too that I have like a younger energy to me and I enjoyed that like with all the um like the younger guys that I would date and I always tell people like I would definitely used to be the person where like I was like I'm never gonna date like a younger guy like th- like I'm not gonna do that that's so I'm like mature or whatever and then as I got older I realized I'm like no, the guys my age suck right now. <laughs> so, and then like, I mean, and honestly, it took me meeting my ex. He was like the first like, younger guy that I dated. And then I, I, it opened up this whole pool to me. I mean, and it kind of going off like what you were saying earlier about like the college dating pool and everything. I mean, I do think also as well too, like dating, like the white collar versus blue collar thing, depending on like where you are in your life. And if you're dating someone younger versus like someone your age like for me I was in grad school dating somebody who was an undergrad and it was kind of like an even like playing field like of course like she's going to be more successful she's in graduate school I'm still an undergrad kind of thing but then I was also like okay I'm 27 in grad school let me date a 23 year old in med school 
And that was where everything went wrong <laughs> because while he was you, younger, you were, he was, you were being a, a 23 year old philosophy major. <laughs> he, well, was he was a philosophy. He was. He was. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. No, he was an undergrad philosophy major. And then he went to, um, yeah, he went to uh, med school right after that and everything. And um, yeah, that's where the competitiveness, like with ambition kind of thing and your career-wise kind of got um, a little heated a little bit, um, thinking that he knew better than me because he was in med school and I was in uh, a graduate film school. But I mean, yeah, I still think that I still encourage women to date younger and then just being more open to that and not always dismissing it because I think that there's a lot of like great opportunities there, especially with the whole um, like blue collar, white collar thing. I mean, the, the other, my other thought on this, and I'll be, I'll be interested to hear your, your, okay. your, your view is that some of these guys, particularly the better looking guys who, you know, have their shit together career wise. Um, if they remain never married into their mid thirties or early forties, I feel like they, they're edging into the category of unmarriageable. Oh, 100% think that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the hot ones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Because they they become so used to all this attention Mm -hmm. and so jaded that um, it's hard for them to kind of shift from that to, oh, I'm going to live monogamously for the next number of yeah like, like it, it's it's hard whereas and it sounds counterintuitive but i actually think the 28 year old guy and if you're like in your mid if you're a woman in your mid-30s yes and you're debating whether they date the 40 year old or the 27 year old or the 28 year old i actually think the 27 or 28 year old might be more ma- more marriage minded yeah yeah than the 40 year old just because been he, so much yeah. right yeah yeah he hasn't been jaded yet he hasn't been like scarred from the world and everything <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Right. like there's right. still hope out there for him and everything right. yeah. Yeah. But, yeah um i do also want to talk about um an interesting perspective that uh you've given in the book as well which i don't always agree with but like i do you, <laughs> so you talk um, about I, dating your ex which is what she has yeah. done and multiple times <laughs> well like you're also like in a successful relationship now. yes yes yeah it's like, not always successful but it's not always successful and the and I mean, you guys both read the book and as you i mean it's really the, the nicest story in the book yes you, yeah yes yeah um but what makes it so lovely is the fact that a lot of the time had passed between that's my yeah but, but, but between i mean this wasn't like uh we broke up six months ago and then we got back together this was the, like the, we the, broke up 10 years ago right you were yeah. like high school, <laughs> like high school like yes. sweethearts that kind of thing yes mm. it, it, that's a lot different than yeah. you know uh, oh we broke up last year let's get back together again that was my ex and i we like went in a cycle of like dating and breaking up and getting back together right. and then it just was stayed in the relationship way too long so right so 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 the the story that and i would i would encourage everybody to buy the book and read it because it's really yes it is really sweet it it is the most cinematic you know story in the book (laughs) um and it's really lovely um but but they you know this was a they were kind of high school high school sweethearts and um he was one of those guys those young men who 
just had to get away to find himself and he kind of dropped out of school at 17 and they didn't see each other for 20 years. Um, yeah. and then, and then something magical happened and you'll have to read the book to find out. It's, yeah, but, it's really right, good read. Right. But, um, I, the, the point I'm trying to make is that we're, we, we live in a time in which we assume that first loves or young loves are unimportant. Right. Like, like mm-hmm. the, this idea that like y- y- your high school boyfriend or girlfriend is kind of a transitional figure and it's like a learning experience. Whereas like, it, how did you two meet? In high school. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. So, so, so your, your high school connection is really important to you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We met, right. we met in theater. In theater. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> right. So if, if two platonic close friends. I don't know if you're best friends, but let's just pretend that you're yeah, best we friends. Are, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah. Okay. We practically <laughs> live together, you know? <laughs> okay. okay. So um, why should the connection between best friends be that much different from the connection between romantic interests? And, and I feel like, look, look, if the, if the, nobody would ever question why you're still best friends with somebody you met in high school. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, but there's this notion like, Oh, you're still dating that person you met in high school. There are other fish in the sea. You got to get out there. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, the, I'm sure you've heard all this. Yeah. But- <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you definitely have. <laughs> and you're like, okay, I get well, it. Thank you. Yeah. But, like I didn't know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But there, I think there's something really important about these connections we make you know, in our kind of formative years. Yeah. And, and I don't want to throw that away. And the, and the reason your friendship works is because you know each other's stories mm-hmm. and you were with each other at formative times of your life. And I kind of yeah. feel like, <laughs> I, I, I feel like that gets thrown away a little bit when it comes to romance. Yeah. I mean, like you learned like a lot of like your biggest, like lessons like in love like with the guy you're currently with who was your high school sweetheart and everything like that yeah um and I think you've both you've said before like that time away like was super valuable for you and everything and it allowed you to kind of you you knew you had that one last chance kind of thing yeah that when you came back together which yeah I think when like we came across that story like in the book I was like "Mm, okay so Hannah's chapter cool Well, well, I mean, I mean, Hannah, the, 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 you have a story about how you and your boyfriend met in high school. We, it's not even. I well, I was watching this movie. What is it? The to all the boys I've loved before, and they call it a meet cute. I don't know. I didn't yes. know that was a term, it's, it's but a film, that's like yeah, a, yeah. that's it's apparently a, a thing. It's a film. It's a film term. Um, yeah, we got our high school biology teacher like paired us together, so we like sat next to each other in biology we also went to the same church back in the day we don't go to that church anymore but um yeah we owe it to our high school biology teacher who made us who made us pair up and dissect a frog okay Um, but but but, but (laughs) i I, i'm guessing that dissect a frog story you tell it right it comes up in conversation right and I, i i it's not just i mean i mean meet cute dismisses the importance of that story yeah. I think that story is really important. And and I think these stories of how of how we meet can kind of become the mortar for relationships. And Absolutely. They, they, and they I think not just you and your your significant other, but I think the people around you become more invested in your relationship and in your happiness because 
we all believe or your friends all believe, well, this was clearly meant to be. Right. And, yeah. and, and, I, and I think a lot of this is lost with the world of online dating because there's no magic yes. to sorting through 20 dating profiles in OkCupid and then yeah. figuring out like, okay, I'm going to try this one. And then if that one doesn't work, I'll, I'll move I'll on to the try next. This one. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a reason that I people like lie about meeting like on dating apps and everything. And I mean, for me, like I, I think I've gone like one successful date, like from a dating app. And I mean, it wasn't successful. We we only dated for like two months and everything like that, but it was because him and I had like technically met outside of dating apps and my friends worked with him. So like right. I, they had that connection. They could you back it up and everything world, like that. Yeah. There's exactly. some accountability. Exactly. There's accountability. Like you, when you went and went out on the first date, you didn't know if you'd like each other, but you knew he wouldn't be an ax murderer. Right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like right. I knew, like granted his house was in the middle of, of the, the woods. woods. <laughs> um, but like, I knew like my, I knew my friends would be like, no, Hey, he's cool. Like he's fine. Like he's not right. going to actually murder you out there. It's fine. <laughs> but, right. and, and, and I, um, I was on a podcast with, uh, like a, um, with a run by like a, a male author who he was recently divorced and he was telling me the story about how we just started dating again. And he was kind of put off by the fact that the woman who he went out on the first date with had Googled him to death before the first date. And he thought this was weird and creepy. And I'm like, um, I, I think that is totally normal. And if yeah. you look at the, if you look at the latest research on online dating 20 percent of, of young women on dating apps have been threatened with physical violence according to pew research so like if, if, i don't want to say you have to be crazy but but it would be unwise if i yeah. were a woman oh, to no, not yeah. be 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 checking out the guy and making exactly. sure he's actually robert the hedge fund manager and not billy bob the ex-con right. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's literally a total stranger yeah he, yes because so so i i'm a really old person but when i was single <laughs> the, the the idea of going out on a blind date with a complete stranger was rare I mean, like it happened. Yeah, you know, like, but... you have these cute stories about classified ads and that kind of thing. <laughs> but 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 it was rare. Like yeah. you always had some connection to the person yeah. you were going out on that first date with, and that connection creates accountability. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Because um, then, like, you have that you can't friend. Be an asshole. You have to, right. Your and, friend and, is going right. to um, stand and, up for that person. Yeah. Right. And and I'm not going to pretend I know what it's like to date as a woman, but I've I've heard enough stories that you know these first dates begin with the fact checking, with the googling yes. to make sure he is who he is. Yes. And then before the first date, there's the the escape plan or the safety plan. Yes. Yes. Um, in which <laughs> she in, knows. In, right, she knows which, the like, code word I, I, to text right, me I, and everything. I, I, I'm going to be at Sushi Palace at eight o'clock. Yep, my sends my location. Um, I have our location. Here's where I am. <laughs> yes. If I get a text, if you get a text for me with the code word bananas or whatever it is, yep. come. Call me. Yep. Get me. Call yep. Me. She knows the whole plan. Yes. <laughs> and I, I and I I totally understand, you know, given the world we live in, why all that happens. But and this really isn't a but. I mean, this, this is the problem with online dating. I'm not saying it should be any different. But like that kind of a mindset doesn't really isn't conducive to falling in like or falling in love. Yeah. Right. No, I agree. Um, Because there was a woman I interviewed for the book um, who she described online dating to me as a doubters game. 
and like D-O-U-B-T. Yeah. Yeah. Doubter's game. And um, I thought this was kind of a really clever turn of phrase. And the reason she described it this way is because she was a divorcee in her forties. And she had just had so many experiences with, with men lying to her on dating apps that like lying to her about their marital status, about their jobs, about whether they're looking for a hookup or, or an actual relationship. There'd been so much mm-hmm. lying mm-hmm. that it got to the point where she would start treating first dates like, like interrogation sessions. Like she would oh, go yeah. into the first dates trying to find all the holes in this story. Yep. Mm-hmm. But obviously, and I understand why, but obviously that's not, that doesn't lead to a lot of second dates. No, no. it doesn't set a good foundation. No. Right. And, and she, but she's actually now engaged and she's engaged to a guy whom she met through a mutual friend. And she told me that on her first date with Stephen, the fiance, she did not even bother Googling him. And she said she didn't have to because she knew that her close friend would never, ever, ever set her up with a man who was unkind or untrustworthy. Yep. So she just kind of went into it open-minded and open to new possibilities. And even though he wasn't exactly her type, she said it was the closest thing to love at first sight she had ever experienced. But but it's, I don't think it's, I don't... I honestly believe if these two had met on a dating app, it would be a different story. No, because like, it's just like, it's like playing like a catch-all kind of game. Cause it's like, you're just swiping this mindlessly kind of thing. And for me, like the only time I've ever get on it is when I'm bored or if I feel right. like super lonely, which is not a healthy way to start a right. relationship and a connection with anyone. Right. Like, I mean, my, my, my favorite way of meeting people is like at work. Um, and like, but it, did, do you guys watch The Office? Oh, she does. Yes. <laughs> okay. well, I mean, I mean, I mean, can you imagine if Jim and Pam had met in the dating app? No, it would. Yeah, no. It, it, it would be the most boring. It would, would be, be the most boring terrible. first date yeah, ever. Absolutely. But because they had this foundation, yes. and they had, they knew each other, and it's like budding and everything. Yeah. Yes, it was kind of. Yeah. It was perfect. Yeah, every single guy that I have dated, I knew like I, they were either a friend or. I knew them through another friend, but I've, I've never like actually dated someone that I just like straight up didn't know or didn't know of. Right. Um, my ex, like the, we call him the doctor on the show, the one that went to med school. Um, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the doctor they philosopher. All, they yes. all have names. <laughs> they all have names. It's like, we have like a playing deck of cards. Like we can trade cards, you yeah. know, like Pokemon. It's fine. Um, but I'll give, I'll give you two doctors for one. <laughs> you know, for, for an one actor. <laughs> But, um, yeah, with him, like, he was, like, technically like, a stranger, I guess, that I, like, that I went on a date on. But, like, we, we met, met at a him. bar. Yeah. You were with me. Yeah. We, like, like, all had conversation. He came back 30 minutes later to ask her. So, so like, like, there was still that meeting in person. It wasn't just, like, a l- DM, well, let's meet that meeting yeah, no, that, I, mean I, that I, we I, had I, in person was I, so I mean, strong. There are a lot of young singles these days, like Gen Zers, who the only dating they know is online dating Mm -hmm. and to 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 me and to you too it's kind of obvious that you can learn a lot about a person just by the tone of their voice or about 100 percent or about being in their physical presence about their body language Mm -hmm. but i i I know gen zers who've been out on first dates with people they never even had a phone conversation with And, and, and to me that is baffling because you're I mean, I mean, I'd rather 
that you met them in person, like, you know, I'd, I'd rather that they knew them in some real world way, but, but, but never having had a phone conversation, I, I, I would want to hear the sound of their voice. Absolutely. Yeah. Because there's so much you can learn from the sound of somebody's voice and from oh, the, the way they speak. Oh yeah. How they communicate. Sense of humor, tone, everything right. like that. And I think, especially, I think from, I've noticed at least like with the pandemic and everything, especially towards the beginning of like lockdown, um, where people were like, you know, doing more video dates and FaceTime, things like that. You were able to kind of build that connection before meeting with them in person. Like if you were going to meet an absolute stranger, that was, there was that. I mean, cause we've done episodes yeah. like on adventures and dating apps and things like that. While I still hate dating apps like I'm literally banned from tinder um but (laughs) (laughs) I I still think that like meeting somebody in person and like having that connection even if you meet them just once I mean with the actor that I met like we had literally we met once in a class and then we just texted from that and we were able to build a relationship well well, Hannah since you're the the single I apologize. You're Emily, you're since, you're, since you're the, the, the single on your, uh, the single host, can I ask you my standard question? Sure. Yes. <laughs> okay. Good um, is there somebody, you, somebody, you know, from the real world who, you know, and like, and who's single, whom you've ever wondered about dating? Yes. <laughs> okay. So my, my, my usual follow-up question is why the heck would you start from zero with a complete stranger in a dating app when you already have this and, I, and i'm guessing the hand has already told you to ask him out on the date right yes yes I tell her to ask everyone out on the date i'm <laughs> yes. literally just like just yeah. do it like what are they gonna yes. they're gonna say no that's the worst they're gonna say then exactly. you move on <laughs> so, so you already have identified this person you already know that you have some chemistry and compatibility um uh why would you start from zero with a stranger instead of just asking this person out Fear of rejection. Because fear of getting ego. no from a stranger is easier than getting no from a friend. Yeah, yeah I know. I, I know, but you'll never, you'll never have to wonder about it again. This is very, this is very true. valid. This is very valid. Yeah. This person that I think you know, we have, I've hinted at it, but I've kind of, which is now that we're having this whole conversation, I probably. The way I've hinted at it, he probably just gone straight right. over his head. He's because, like, no, because no. men are morons. Remember yes. That part? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. No. No. He, he doesn't know. He thinks you're being nice. Yeah. 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 No. Maybe he does. But but aren't you going to be pissed off in five years from now? He gets engaged, and and you're like, oh crap! I should have said something. Yeah. <laughs> So I, my homework tonight is to <laughs> <laughs> figure out how to ask him out. <laughs> but, yeah, um, no, I, I, so, so I'm all about like embracing the awkwardness, embracing yeah. the vulnerability. Like, um, have you guys read Brene Brown's book, um, Daring Greatly? I have I've not, but her, I love Brene Brown. I've read her book. Listen You've to her seen podcast, her TED Talk? Her. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, she has this line in Daring Greatly, which I'm probably going to completely butcher but it's something like um uh vulnerability is courage in you but weakness in me Mm. and it makes sense because like like if if we see somebody really put themselves out there and take a risk and 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 make themselves vulnerable we admire that in other people but when we do it ourselves um we view it as 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 weakness and i I don't think yeah and when it comes to romance you know like telling a friend that 
like saying to them, you know, I, I don't know what this guy's name is. I'm going to call him Bob. That's fine. Bob? That's fine. Yes. <laughs> he listens yes. to this podcast, so I will not be saying his name. Um. <laughs> so, so like, like, like Bob, you know, we, we've known each other for ages. Um, I don't know. I've, I've always felt good around you. I feel happy around you. Um, would you want to go out on a date with me on Friday? Now, like the, that is going to like if you put yourself out there like that he's going to put himself out there in the same way whereas if you just said to him let's grab coffee on tuesday that could mean a million different things that's and yeah. and you know he doesn't know but 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 the, i honestly believe that the more we put the, we put ourselves out there with others the more they will do the same yeah yeah and i think like you said like that having i think when someone's able to be that vulnerable and everything like that you're not going to get like such a harsh probably rejection from them you're going to get right. um and you're saying like kind of hopefully vulnerability and emotions back it's not going to be so cold yeah. or anything like that especially if this person is someone that you know and you're friends with and right and, and, and there's actually a name for this like the, the psychologists call it the beautiful mess effect and that that these these people who are willing to kind of embrace the beautiful mess of awkwardness and vulnerability tend to you know tend to get their way sounds sounds cruder than I mean but 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 it works for them yeah it works in their favor usually yeah yeah I like that it's really it is beautiful in a way I think too I think um I think when you whenever you see it like in another person like it's like you said, like you admire it a little bit more. So yeah, I, I always encourage making, uh, making a move and like, it's always easier said than done. I think a lot of times, and I know so many girls that, like I said before, like are terrified to do it because they rather, you know, be chased in a sort of way. But I feel like that is just exhausting sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather just go ahead and like, get the rejection and just move on. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean just... like like you know, I mean if the whole you and Bob thing works out, you can invite me to the wedding. But there we go. But if but if it doesn't, at least you know. Right, and I will also blame you at the same time. But you can blame me. But the good news is that Hannah won't be like bugging you about him anymore, right? Fair, fair, valid, valid. Yeah. Um, yeah. One more thing we want to talk to you about before, like, we do let you go, which I think is something that more, especially college-educated women, need to consider, um, which is dating more blue-collar men. And we talked about yeah. that a little bit, like yeah. the um, how many men are more single men are in the like blue collar workforce versus um, women and things like that. For me, like my, um, both my parents didn't go to college. Um, my dad did, but he dropped out. Um, but my mom never went to college and I never felt pressured to kind of date anybody that was also in college. I mean, granted I was in grad school, but I've always, you know, been attracted to musicians and most musicians don't go to school at all. <laughs> So it's not like I'm dating like, you know, like plumbers and like electricians yeah. who are making like a ton of money. Most of the guys I'm dating that don't go to college are not still making money. Uh, but... Well, my, 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 my gay son is a music major in college. But, oh, but he's, he's not like a guitar player. He's not going to be like in Pearl Jam or something so... or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> he, he wants to be like, he wants to play on Broadway or something. That's, yeah, I love that's that. Amazing. I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. But I to him. But that's I, hard. Yeah. I want to talk about that though, because you've also had the experience too with your ex. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I dated someone who wasn't in college, but then I somehow encouraged him to go to college. 
much. <laughs> so, uh, and, he, and you changed his life, and then he, and, and then, then, then up with and him. then I broke up with him. <laughs> so, put him in all that shame debt. on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he has, he's a hundred thousand in college debt, thanks to you, right? Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> no, no, but actually, the, the college debt thing I think is interesting because, Terrible. um, w- one of the reasons why I think people gravitate towards what they know in terms of like, I mean, I went to college, so maybe I'm supposed to date somebody else who went to college. My parents went to college. I mean, this is, I mean, we live in like very socioeconomically segregated worlds. So I'm not like, I I don't think a lot of singles are making a super conscious decision to only date people just like them. I just think people fall into it. Mm -hmm. And and with with online dating, it's like the, the box checking, it's like, well, yeah. I went to, you know, I went to college, they should go to college. You know, it, it, it's not, I, I don't think, I don't think a lot of people are are making a really decisive decision not to date blue collar men or blue collar women. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, there, I mean, I, I coach little league baseball and travel baseball. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of baseball dads. And even though I live in a pretty white bread suburb, um, the, the the travel baseball crowd tends to be a little different than the the, the lawyers and doctors and Wall Street types who, who live in my town. And yeah. I'll tell you, like the, the, like I, I know all these like cops and firemen and or guys who run you know landscaping businesses or contracting businesses. Mm-hmm. And like a they make a crap load of money. I mean, like my I mean my my, my plumber drives an Audi. So I mean, Yay, he's doing, okay. he's, he's doing good. Um, <laughs> Where did and, I go wrong? Why yeah, am I exactly. in so much debt? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, but B, these guys don't come to the relationship with $80,000 in student loan debt, which, yeah. which, uh, I mean, I, I know this is staying the obvious, but there are a few things that are going to, um, challenge a young couple more than one person's outside student, student loan debt. Like if you, if you have one person who's dealing with 50,000, 80,000 student loan debt and the other one is debt free um, and you're living together or married, um, th- that's a challenge. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I literally said like the first thing I said when I broke up with the doctor was because we, he was still in his first year of med school, like when we met and he was already $120,000 in debt. And I was like, well, yeah. I just got rid of $120,000 in debt. Don't yeah. have to be, don't have to take that on now. <laughs> Right. And I, you know, we never think about that kind of thing, but, but it's a, and I'm not saying somebody who has a lot of debt for med school is a bad person. I'm just, I'm just talking about like, but, 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 but but it it is a stressor in a relationship. And particularly if you're thinking, well, I need to date a guy who who earns at least as much as I do. And if that, let's say that number is a hundred thousand dollars a year. Well, if that's part of your calculation, maybe the debt thing should be part of your calculation as well. Mm, valid. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's something that I have always, I've always been kind of used to being more of a, um, I guess like the working person in a relationship, just because like most of my relationships, like throughout like school and everything, like I was more the person that had always had a job, like while I was in classes and like the person I was dating either was like well off or like, 
just didn't need to have a job. So I was used to being the one that always like was working hard and trying to like hustle and everything like that. So I didn't, I never minded being that person that was always striving for kind of more. I never cared like what my partner made or like if they had a job or anything like that, as long as I could take care of myself and like we could take care of each other, it was fine. And I feel like you're very similar to in that same way as well. But yeah, I, I, I never really thought about how much m- money can put on a stress in people's life. And you mentioned in the book too, I mean, dating those people who are like, like plumbers and electricians, like yep. they don't have as much like, like stress from the job that they're oh going to bring gosh. home. Like me. It's, it's, every yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no. I mean, they may be stressed nine to five, but it's over at the end yes. of the day. Right, yes. right, right. Whereas not- like I'm stressed nine to five and then all of the other hours of yes. the day <laughs> right. and week. Uh, right. Yeah. 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 So, so the, you know, these, uh, a lot, I mean, I'm not saying that, like they're, you know, there are no blue collar guys who take the work home with them, so to speak. But yeah. I, I do think it's a, it's a, it's a different lifestyle. And I think particularly if you're kind of a, a type A person with a high stress job, you probably don't want to be dating another, another type A person with a high stress job. And and also I'll tell you just from a parenting standpoint, um, uh, you know, my wife and I used to have like a daily negotiation about who had to be home in time to relieve the nanny. Mm. And this was not a nice negotiation. It was like, you know, it was, it was it was difficult and it's like it's fortunate that I decided to write the first book because that that that, that got me home so <laughs> but 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 I could kind of see like how having two people with like big complicated careers you know it, it makes parenting more challenging and then Absolutely. you know you, yeah so yeah well it has been such a delight to talk to you about all of this um before like we let you go and everything i do we do have a question that we always ask all of our guests um which is like what their survival tip would be so just like an overall like ground piece of advice um maybe something like from your book that's like just overall i think the biggest lesson people could take home with them today i mean the, the biggest lesson is is that question i asked you like the like is there somebody you know and like from your everyday world from your from the real world who you've ever wondered about dating and and i i'd say 70 percent of the time when i ask this question the answer is yes and i i really like i'm i want people to take risks and i and i want you to take a risk with uh, with bob with bob, bob. <laughs> Go bob. Go bobby um, we'll keep you updated on bob <laughs> no i no, i i want to i actually i do want you to I, I, will, I will i will send you an email, send you an email. <laughs> and actually i i have a solution for you okay blame it on me just say you know i interviewed this this crazy guy with a book <laughs> <laughs> and he forced me. Yes, there we to, go. Forced me to do this. There we yeah, go. Yeah. There we go. So, so I'm, I'm pouring my heart out, but but he made me. And, cool. And so you can, you can blame the whole thing on me. Gotcha. There we'll we go. we'll we happily do that. We <laughs> <laughs> or you only use my scapegoat. Yeah. It's totally fine. <laughs> yeah. No. But 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 yeah. So I I want people to like embrace the invulnerable, embrace the awkwardness, embrace the vulnerability, take chances because I feel like a, a lot of singles these days, and I think this is the reason why online dating is so popular is because you can kind of hide behind the screen. Yeah. And, and you know, being rejected on an app it's like losing a video game. It's not. Yeah. Real. yeah. 
honestly. But being rejected in real life gets you closer to where like you're actually supposed to be. So and and doesn't right. waste as much time with just like right. I, yeah, I, 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 I mean, I want to kind of embrace the awkwardness, embrace yeah. the risk. I want I want to go all in. Yeah, yeah. Well, Loved thank, it. Thank you so much for coming on our show, John. It's been such a delight. Tell all of our listeners where they can find you. Um, drop all your links. Book full time to go ahead and just promote all of your stuff. All right. I, so, so unfortunately I have an oddly spelled name. So it's like, <laughs> like, 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 I, I wish I was like Bob Wilson or something. Because like, oh, go Bob. Yeah. But, but so my first name is J O N and my and burger is B I R G E R with an I. But so anyway, on my website is johnburger.com. Um, you can find me on Twitter, John Burger one on Instagram, I'm John underscore Burger One. Um, I wish I More had, than one? <laughs> I, I know. I, I I wish I had gotten these things lined up way back when, but I didn't. Um, she runs into that too. I do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my name is Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> Your last name is Adams. And my last name is Adams. <laughs> yeah. Um, I if you have a book club. Yeah, if any of your listeners have a book club and they yeah, would like yeah. to, um, they would like to read um, "Make Your Move" or, I guess, for that matter, "Datanomics." Um, I do these kind of um, book club virtual Q and As. Um, that oh, you I can, love that. You can you can sign up for them. I, I I'm kind of partnering with a platform called BookYaya.com, B-O-O-K-Y-A-Y-A.com, and you can kind of find me there and there's also a link on my own website as well so yeah yeah well tanya also set us up because one lucky listener will also be winning no two 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 lucky listeners are gonna be winning uh a copy of your book uh that we're gonna be doing a giveaway on our instagram we're super excited so we so hopefully if they get that they'll be able to join that book club and be able to like join on the q a and everything because i think a lot of people are going to especially our college listeners and all of our girls are going to really love a lot of stuff that you had to say i think the winner should go on a double date with you and bob oh my god yes (laughs) god that would not be (laughs) okay so on that note we're gonna go Seriously, thank you, so much. thank you so much. And we, no I will email you. I will keep you updated on my I, I entire dating life. Yeah. I'm sure. yes. <laughs> thank you so much. All right. And so that does it for today's episode of The Gals Guide. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Gals Guide Pod. Also like us on Facebook at The Gals Guide and become a Gal Scout in our Facebook community. You can also hit us up on our website, thegalsguidepod.com and our personal social media, which will be linked in our show notes. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really does help us out. So thanks for listening, gals. And we hope you come back for our next journey. Bye.